RT Sports Person of the Year award this, this century. We had this last week. Huh? This I is one and void. That's the crappiest crappy quiz. OTB AM. Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. Okay, so regular listeners on Friday night will know that we've been long fascinated by the breeding process when it comes to producing top quality racehorses. And I'm delighted to say we have Paddy Behan with us this evening to talk to us a little bit more about this and a recent lucky escape. Paddy, good afternoon to you. How are you getting on? Not too bad in yourself, Ger. I'm very well, I'm very well. We've been trying to set this up for a while uh, and then it turned out we just had to get you on because of something that happened recently. <laughs> Before I get to the drama at the end of this story, maybe you might just explain a little bit about what your role in the whole breeding process is and kind of what scale you guys are at? Uh, we're at a, a very, very small scale. So it's pretty much my dad and I and uh, and next year we just, we, we, the family were always into horses for many years and um, then dad got into a mare through an uncle of mine. He ended up buying her, racing her and lo and behold ended up being the dam of Altier which triggered all the rest and I've been uh, handling horses and dealing with horses since I'm 12, 13 years of age or something like that but just small, small, small numbers so we don't, we're not big shots by any way we're just very lucky to what we've what we bred so far. And so take us back to Altior uh, how many other horses would you have had even in foal at that stage? Uh, we had two other mares, I actually had a mare myself which I bought and that didn't work out, the usual thing you know coming out of the tiger <laughs> so um, we had Monty um, and we had a half sister to Monty and then a mare I had um, and that was pretty much it and at the moment now we are up to a third mare, one we just bought recently bought back that we sold um, and that's it so we've always been just really tipping away with two three mares that's it and yeah I think uh, we, we often had the conversation on the show with Johnny in particular about like what the difference between National Hunt and Flat is and uh, obviously they're chalk and cheese but the, the ability of somebody at your scale to produce a horse like Altior is kind of the romance of the game it seems from the outside anyway that you guys can produce so just in case anybody who's uh, not a, a racing fan just tell us how special Altior actually ended up being Oh, well, he's a horse of a lifetime, I suppose. It's like any athlete you look at, like the likes of a Usain Bolt or anything like that. It's just these figures that you get every now and again. And thankfully, Altier seemed to be one of them. Um, he's the most consecutive wins ever um, over over jumps. And he had this fastest supreme novice time up until I think it was just broken this year. So he's just an exceptional animal. And his turn of pace and just the way he won, I suppose, is one of the biggest things. You know, he just flick into a different gear and you're just like you think he's gone 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 then he changes into another gear and lo and behold he puts seven lengths into a horse in the space of nothing it is incredible really that like that all-time great horse came from a really small operation where you and your dad are doing it for the love of the game more than anything yeah it's one of those so my grandfather bred horses i have uncles at it and uncle training both uncles trained and one uncle trained up until recently and they've bred a great horse lately that finished second there just to Little Big Bear um, in the Curra. So they're sort of back on on the right track as well with breeding too, because it's a it's a fickle game. It's up and down like a yo-yo. And that's the first horse my dad ever owned was Monte Solaro. And it just worked out. But he did also risk it when most National Hunt people wouldn't. He spent probably more on the mare than anyone would as regards stallion fees. And he wouldn't have had the money or anything like that at the time. But he just said, if that's the right stallion for the mare, that's where she goes. And um, we'll just see what. And we're learning more and more about it because we're taking different advice over the years. So if we went back, we'd do it very differently. 
very, very differently. But we're learning all the time. We're very new in it, myself and dad, and we take advice as best advice as possible from people. And then you're trying to root through that advice to see what, what's actually the best. Because we we're by we are far from experts. It's a it's a game of an educated guess. That's what probably the best way of putting it. In terms of that thing that you, you said there about going back and, and doing it differently, is there something specific that you have in mind when you're talking about that? Yeah, like we went to a lot of out and out national hunt stallions, you know, that they're you're you're breeding a three mile horse. And the thing is, it's like all sports people, that person, that sports person that has the turn of pace is always better. And the key is you can go for a longer race or a shorter race. The key is if that horse has gears or that, 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 that as it changes pace, that's the most important thing. Um, because you can always go for a shorter race if they don't stay. That's my opinion now. I don't, probably a lot of people would argue with that. And you can see the times in all these races are getting quicker and quicker and quicker. The breeding in Ireland is getting better and more fine-tuned. So you have to be up with it and you have to be pushing the needle and those out and out national hunt stallions, you have to be very careful using them. You'll still sell well in sales and different things, but are you going to breed a superstar? That's interesting, isn't it? That your experience, and did, does that come off the back of the experience of Altior? Can, can you talk to us about the, what, what yeah. where did you send Altior's mother? So Altior, Altior Sire's um, high chaparral and he would have been, he was actually, we went to him for, I think when we covered him first time, we went to him three or four times and he went from 15,000 down to 5,000, if I remember correctly, um, five or 8,000. And normally at that stage, the max a lot of national hunt people would be spending would be between five, seven, eight, three to 8,000. That would be the max a national hunt sire would be. But he came out with his racing and then they thought he was a, a flop, a bit of a dud. And he went on and then had big success in Australia, which brought him back up into the limelight. And then the poor fella died with colic. So that's why we probably haven't seen as many winners as he should have had. OK, but they might start to filter back into the system and that bloodline could, could make a, a re-emergence, could it? Well, yeah, the, Oh, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. Probably the sire out there at the minute that's close, the closest bred to him is Free Eagle. Um, he's in. It was in the National Hunt the last few in uh, the National Stud the last few years. So he's probably the closely closest bred horse to him, or the most similar bloodline. So there isn't many. He didn't get to cover as many as he should have. You right. Know? Okay. So maybe maybe Altior is is an outlier then in, in some respects. And am I right in saying? Um, there was a half-brother or half-sister that Kevin Doyle was involved in to Altior. Is that, is that all part of the same tree? Yeah, that's the same tree. So, And there was a full brother to Altior who finished second first time out and then died on um, died on the gallop, broke his leg in the gallops. I think Charlie Swan was riding him, just training, and Dad met him soon after. He said he could nearly cry, he said, because obviously he showed big potential as well. Um, but Kevin Doyle then, so we covered the mare by Camelot and it was actually very much a similar thing. It was on the fence with Camelot make or break it um, because he didn't get the, probably the two-year-old winners first time out because it's all those things that the first season, the first season, how to do in their first season. And then if they think they're not making it, but some of these stallions just need a little bit more time. You know, you have to give them the couple of years, the right mares mightn't be going to them. Um, and we got lucky that we got to Camelot when we could afford him, where now he's 75,000, which right. is just completely <laughs> our stretch. And then we went to the sales with the foal because we're not set up. We haven't enough land. We haven't got the set up to keep foals longer to tree roll. So generally, if we have a cold, 
we have to sell it as a fold. We're just not set up for it. Um, and I have a day job and dad's at home and I know dad will take a chance. So it's just safer, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just the way it is. So we, that's how we manage it. And when we went to the sales, we were shocked when Kevin Dial was the final bidder because uh, that's what he wasn't on the scene at, the, at that stage with, for buying horses. His dad was breeding plenty of horses, but Kevin was new to it. And, and then it was the sales topper, which is, which is great. And they probably put it down as kind of a record sale outside of, I suppose, the Celtic Tiger. There was a few sales around the Celtic Tiger time that were pure madness, you know, price. But I suppose this was a true value of a good horse, if that makes sense, as a foal, because they are only, that foal is only less than six months old, you know, so it's a huge amount of money for an animal that's less than six months old. It's a huge risk. And I, I actually saw him on uh, Ear to the Ground. I, the, I don't know when the um, episode was recorded, but it was just before the, the horse was then back on sales. And, you know, he was quietly understated, but certainly a little bit anxious, I would say, about what, what's going to happen next. And it, it turns out that um, the horse then sold subsequently again, having increased in value. Yeah, but the sale then, he the sale actually didn't go through in the end. So right. Kevin actually still has him and owns him. And we're delighted to hear that because um, I think it seems to be a bit of a, a thorn in the family side. I think Kevin, once he makes it, well, this is what he said himself in a few interviews. And speaking of once he makes a decision that he's going to sell a horse on, that's the plan. And that's and uh, I think he just had a figure in his head. It didn't get to where he wanted to. And I think the rest of the family wanted to keep him and train him. Right. And so as far as we know, Jamie Codd has broken him. And where he's gone into training, him, we're not sure. OK, OK. That's, that's so we didn't we don't like hassle it. Like we got, we've, thankfully, we're getting on well with Kevin and that. And we don't want to. It's like that thing. It's his horse. We're, we just want to see him go really, really well for him. We want to see him get the look that that they've had in the UK with that Nicky and everything's had with Altier. We hope he's another Altier, you know, for Kevin's sake. I think it's really interesting that uh, within Ireland there are people like you and your dad who are having this uh, philosophical conversation about what type of stallions you want to cover the mares and what type of horse is going to come out of that and there's a lad probably three fields over from you who are doing something completely different and as a result in the market yeah. if you want to buy a horse who's bred for a stay and if you want to buy a horse who's bred for short distances you can actually do that and maybe that's why the country is actually a good place to go shopping for horses. Yeah, they, well, everyone sure to, isn't it a bit of a religion here? There's some once they're in it, they love it. It's in their people's blood. Like you see, our friends at home, our vet and and her husband Barbara and, and Mark Dreen. It's just that's all they know. They, they just love horses, you know. And that, there's so many families like that. And um, our uncles come over, and that's a topic of conversation nonstop. It's just horses from start to finish. And myself and dad wouldn't actually be as mad into it as them. Like as I suppose, what would you say? Of flat out reading dad checks the results every day watches all the racing but we wouldn't be as completely mental about it as everyone else we just enjoy horses and we like looking after them day to day that's more i love having the animals around the place and like looking after them and then you have that game of trying to pick the right stallion and we pushed it out this year but unfortunately the mayor didn't go in full because it was like a, a last hurrah that's a big thing you mentioned earlier about the difference between flat and national hunt by the time you realize your national hunt mayor is good your mare's already nearly finished. Right. Because you're waiting till a horse, most national hunt horses don't prove themselves till they're seven, eight years of age. You know, six, five, six. If you, if you have a national hunt win winner as a four-year-old, that's brilliant. You know, that's what you're always looking for them to win at four um, because then you know what's coming afterwards and it gives you a bit of time and on the flat you're looking for them to win at two. 
Uh, yeah, but then they're gone quicker too if they are. But yeah, so it's a tricky one. But you have less money invested in National Hunt. But it's a it's a long out road. It is a long out road. Uh, so and is is two or three mayors the the limit of what you want to get to? Because it, it gives you that everything that you want and gives you all the opportunities without actually bringing the burden of having 15, 20. The key is, and it's the way it's gone, and I was chatting to my uncle not that long ago and a few different people, if you do not have the quality, forget about us. Now, there is the, the few people out there who are absolutely exceptional at looking at the foal and saying, this foal actually has something special and this will turn into something good as a three-year-old. So they're not actually looking at the page, so to speak. They're not looking at the pedigree. They're looking at the animal. But those people that have that gift, there's not many of them. That's my opinion. Um, and to be able to pick and then having the financial capacity, if it doesn't sell well as a three-year-old, to take it to the racetrack. That's another thing where the likes of us, we need the top quality mayor. We need the mayor that has the black type, all the black type on the page. And you go to your good stallion and then at least you're, guaranteed, you're fairly guaranteed your sales result at the end once the horse is correct and right to still have to have a straight leg and can't have any nicks or cuts or any of that stuff to turn them off. Uh, you said you have a, a day job there as well. Is that important to you to actually not be fully immersed in it to give yourself a little bit of headspace so that you can actually be thinking about something and then the inspiration for what type of horse you want or what type of stallion you want to cover the mare? Is, is that good just to not be fully immersed in it? Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm a farmer at heart, so probably if I had my wish, I'd be I'd be farming 100 percent of the time. And that's yeah, I'm a farmer at heart. I, I'd probably feel nothing better than having five or six hundred acres there and forty of it for horses and the rest in tillage or something like that. So <laughs> that's that's for my heart is now being honest. So I don't know. I'd be happy out dealing with the horses every day. It's just it is what it is. Um, it takes a while before you figure this out and that you can get a proper income from it. And the thing is. We've had a few sales successes in recent years, but they're only in recent years and you can't guarantee how long it's going to continue. We, the mayor isn't in full this year. She's 22. We do everything in our power. When you look at her, she looks amazing. She looks, if there was anything wrong with her, we wouldn't even be trying. You know what I mean? But she's a tricky mayor to get in full. Like all, most of the good ones are. That's, that is the nature of it. Um, otherwise it'd be too easy, I suppose. It's not, it's, you just have to do everything right and keep at it and at it and at it. Um, and even when you do everything right, you're, can't, you're not guaranteed anything at the end. That's the mystery of the whole thing. And that's what we've really enjoyed having those conversations with people like this who are involved in kind of what you say is like a, a bit of instinct and a bit of science and a bit of magic and uh, and that whole lifestyle side of it as well. I do want to talk about something that happened just recently. Um, Johnny Ward was writing about this in the Sunday Business Post. Um, somebody tried to steal your horses. Yeah, yeah. So, right. So we bought back uh, Princess Leia from a friend. We sold it to him when she was two or three. Um, so she would be a year younger than Altier, if I remember correctly. And she was the next foal after Altier. And, um, or sorry, just before Altier. So she was a year, she's a year older than Altier. So she was born in 2009, if I remember, trying to figure out the dates in my head here. So we sold it to a friend and ended up being a very good race mayor, won two races and got black type listed race. So it ticked the box and he just said, would we be interested in, in buying her back? He was thinking of getting out of horses. And we said 100% because the other mayor's getting old, older. So it was a mayor and we brought her back and uh, we had her in isolation because um, you just have to do that to keep them away. If they're not vaccinated, you have to keep them away from uh, any other mares in foal because there's disease that can force the other mares to abort. So we kept her isolated. 
double gated field, well looked after, proper heart. And there's always people down there. My dad was there just a couple of hours before feeding her. And next minute, a, guy, a lady who was walking by the field that lives close by said, this doesn't look right. And there was lads there um, trying to load her in the fall up. And she called another neighbour and that neighbour came running down and then they the rang the, the friends of ours who owned the field. They were just doing us a favour, you know, to stick her out there. There's not a bother. Gate was locked, everything. You couldn't, couldn't have been better really secured. Um, we're just blessed they were walking by and unfortunately the foal got a bad nick um, but it's healing very, very well. So we were worried if the foal had been left, the foal would have actually bled out and died. Right. Jesus. So it was a serious cut, um, but it wasn't that, and that's actually going to hamper the foal in the long run. So we're very, very lucky. It's just there, they were there on the pulse. They got it dealt with, sorted, and thankful the mare's perfect. The mare's back home with us now with the foal's weans. Um, our, our other foal, our own mare's weaned as well. So we did all that this week. Um, Dad was sorting all that when I was at work. And uh, yeah, so we're, we're very, very lucky now. Well, very, very lucky. I, is, I, like it would never cross your mind I certainly never never crossed my mind that this is something you need to be aware of like the only time I've heard of horse napping is Shergar is this something that is like actually when you're talking to other people going yeah the same thing happened to us or were people shocked yeah no people were shocked because especially if people are running them that generally don't as far as we're aware what we hear people generally don't go for thoroughbreds because they are more hassled they're softer they're they're not as hardy you know that's that's just the reality of them you know so and they're worthless once you don't have the passport their microtrip there's dna tests they're worthless to you so we just don't know what the, was it someone robbing them that they just cover with a half-bred a half-bred um a half-bred stallion and next minute it becomes something that they're going to run in pony racing or or put in the back of a sulky or, or front of a sulky we just don't know it's really really and a lot of people caught the, the article that was in the racing post and i couldn't believe the amount of people that got in touch with me said they've actually increased increased security around the place because generally speaking you had this safety that, that the horse is worthless to them do you know and there's people out there with mares that are worth three times the price of a farm and they've only a couple of mares. So it's, yeah, you just have to be very, very careful. I, we're shocked, shell-shocked. We couldn't believe something like this happened. You'd hear people letting them out, that they run down the road, like someone walking by drunk or something like that, messing or bad inclined. But I've never heard, We've the first we've heard of them actually being stolen, a mare being stolen like this. Yeah, Jesus, it's um, like I, I, relatively scary, I'd say a little bit, where you're like, this, this ha- I mean, you also don't want to get, too much overreaction because like it, if it never happened before you'd hope that it'll never happen again and I think the point yeah. the point you're making is like telling everybody these horses are worthless to you without proof of who the horse is if that story just keeps getting told then hopefully it'll prevent it from happening again yeah and a thorough like trying to get a thoroughbred mare to take to another foal like say they were looking for a foster mare to rear another foal like it, they just Thoroughbred won't take to another foal like that unless you have a, a, an absolute pet. They just don't. They're, they're, they're trickier and that's it. Um, no matter how quiet they are, once nature kicks in, they know it's not their foal. Generally, we, we've had a foster mare once before and they, they know their job, essentially, if that makes sense, whether it's right or wrong. They, they, they've sort of they've reared a lot of foals and, and that's just what they do um, and it saves a huge amount of horses lives and different things like that because something happens to the mother and they can't rear the foal you, you need to find some sort of source to look after them yeah for sure it's mm. um, just to go back to, to wrap it up you, you were saying that um, you know you've, you've uh, two now three mares it means that like every year it's very high stakes because like you, you'd only get the opportunity to cover the horse 
uh, or to put the horse in foal once and then if if nothing comes or if it's no good you know that's the bit where you're saying like um, you've had success but uh, it is very very low strike rate over yeah. a 10 15 year period yeah well we have the three mares are homes and you won in foal you know so that's how the deal happened as well probably for Princess Leia as well because she didn't go in foal so we have to work hard now and this weather isn't suiting because there's no grass um, and my horses need at this time there's good quality grass you can feed them hay and you can feed them the whole lot but nothing beats being out on proper lush grass you know and that's what boosts them and builds them and ready and has them ready for next year um, so we've you're just you're always on the back of and what ends up happening if you if you one good mare and three middling mares or poor mares or unproven mares is probably the way to put it um, the good mare pays for them all you know, so that's what the the theory is. So, and then you end up with no profit out of it because you're throwing good money against bad money, trying to prove these other mares. And um, so, it's so important that you have the right stock around because to keep a good one or keep a middling one or a bad one, it's all the same cost. Yeah. The covering fees might be different, but they're going to eat the same amount. They get the same doses, the same everything. So, your costs are your costs. So you might as well be trying to keep the best. And when this opportunity came to get back into another black type mare, we couldn't turn it down. Like I'd say, if it put us on the road to get the money together, that's what we would have done. Yeah. You know, because it keeps us in horses. Monty's 22 now. The chances of her having another foal is very long. We will, it's a long shot, but we will try. Uh, once she's healthy, we'll try. We'll try again next year. But if she's not healthy, she'll she'll stay at home and she'll retire and she'll graze for the end of her days. Right. Well, we wish you the very best of luck with um, Princess Leia. And uh, you, you're, I guess, you're at work at the moment. I, I think I recognise the I am, wall yeah, behind I am you. At work. Yeah. You, you better tell everybody where it is. Just. Uh... I, I work for. I run a brand called Specialized Bicycles. I'm out in City West in the old, old stone building, Brown's Barn, just on the end of the N7. So. If anyone's after any bikes or different things from kids to the highest end racer, we have it all here. Very good, very good. It's an incredible story. The 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 end of it is um, nearly as interesting as the the start of it with Altior as well. But it's obviously a, a long, continuous one. We wish you the very best of luck with it, Paddy. Thanks a million for joining us. Thanks Cheers. a million, Ger. Have a good one. Cheers.